0: Welcome to the Attacking Scrum Rugby World Cup podcast, where Welsh rugby matters. Wales laboured past a spirited Uruguay side, but do make it four from four to top the pool and set up a quarter final against France. Elsewhere, the most anticipated pool game in recent Rugby World Cup history actually happened, and Japan managed to pull off the miracle beat Scotland and top their group. On this episode, we'll be looking back at that final round of the pool games and also looking ahead to the quarterfinals next weekend and asking just how far this world side can go. Dan Killick is recovering from the wedding of the year. Congratulations to Dav and Fran, by the way. So joining me to do all of this is the man we call when we're in need of some melancholic musings, top journalist and friend of the show, Yestin George. How are you, Yaston?
1: Um, relatively melancholic, but,
0: you know, uh, quietly optimistic, not as
1: probably as bullish as you are, Jed.
0: Uh, you say that. I, I told you that in confidence off air. Yes, Dins. that's not to be repeated, about how bullish I'm feeling. Uh, a little bit of context, though, I think is that is the main thing. Yes, it was unconvincing, but, you know, it's it's not going to define our World Cup. Even if we go out next week, it won't be defined by this game, in my opinion.
1: No, I agree. Um, it's funny talking to my um father who's in his eighties and uh really just professionally complains really about either Swansea City or um or Welsh Rugby in general. And uh you know, he loves a phone call with moaning and complaining about how rubbish everything is. And uh, I I I find myself constantly defending the process, uh, and sounding like somebody who's actually a kind of paid-up member of the, the the Welsh coaching setup. But it it, it it's true. It's it, you know it is just about winning the game really. It's not about anything else, and style and substance really doesn't matter that much. And uh, I guess after the last battering. Uh, against Fiji it's just good to that you think oh well nobody got hurt and uh, and it was at no point was it pretty but it, it's just it, it's another is an, just another obstacle out of the way really
0: well considerably more optimistic than I was expecting yesterday which is which hopefully bodes well we'll be getting stuck into all of that throughout the show and we'll definitely be going into a lot more detail with Wales and of course looking at Japan, the other quarterfinals, so all of this to come. Plus we've got a couple of listeners questions to get through too. Before we get underway, quick word for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. And uh, yeah, not so many early starts this weekend purely because of the fact that some of the games were were postponed. But nonetheless, for the rest of the tournament, make sure you get your hands on some So Coffee by going to SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk. Right, front five is the first part of the show. Five headlines, and myself and Yestin will be getting stuck into them. And headline number one, really, there's only one place to start. Japan beat Scotland and the weather to put their place in the quarterfinals. I guess first place to start is how glad were you that this got settled on the pitch rather than in an administrator's office or even in the courtroom.
1: Yeah, it, it seemed um, it just seemed just a, such a relief to see them playing the game. It would have been a terrible situation that you could have found innumerable uh, reasons for making kind of official complaints. But it was yeah, it was a blessed relief and. It's so difficult, isn't it, listening to people in Japan talking about the trauma and the and and the, the effect it's had on on you know on the nation in Japan when we're sitting in, well, Brighton in my case, um, you know, just just kind of it's really really difficult to understand just how difficult the whole situation has been really.
0: Yeah, it is, and you know we'll get to the game in a second. But obviously, it's dominated the headlines this week with the, the kind of will it, will it, won't it kind of scenario. And it is, it is worth saying that this is one of the worst typhoons to have hit Japan in the. I think they've been saying the last sixty, seventy years. So there is, there's no denying the severity of it. I suppose where some of the frustration has been is that perhaps there should have been a plan B in place, but that said, incredible to get the game done. And if you hadn't been following the news this week and you just turned on ITV this morning to watch the game, there's no signs from from inside the stadium or the pitch or anything like that, which really is, is testament to how how good a job the organisers have done to get the game on.
1: Yeah, and I, I, it's really uh, listening to some of the mainstream broadcasters uh, asking questions about should they actually have held a the world cup here at all and things yeah. like that it seems absurd to, to say yeah, things. absolutely insane it almost is just like we've got five minutes to fill so let's be let's say something faintly ridiculous because it, there's an absolutely no question about the validity of 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 um of staging the competition in japan absolutely none whatsoever and for them to sort of suggest that it's that you know it, it the organizers should have recognized that, that a typhoon the likes of they haven't they haven't seen since 1958 was something that they should have seen coming it's just madness
0: yeah it is and you know talking about validity i watched the previous week i watched the world athletics championship take place in Doha in front of a grand total of 300 people, you know, a a, a crowd that even first class cricket would laugh at. And, uh, you know, you look at the job that that Japan has done by comparison. And yes, I, I think that there, it would have had the game not happened, I think that you could potentially ask questions about why the game couldn't have been shifted. But to be honest, I wouldn't know what the answer to that is because I have no idea about the logistics of, of something of this scale, but thankfully none of that happened, and we got treated to what's one of the best test matches i've ever seen
1: oh uh, remarkable right from start to finish and uh yeah i mean japan are seem like an irresistible force, and I know that that's tempting fate but um that i can I could honestly see them carrying on it doesn't seem like they've reached a point of uh of maximum potential yet
0: no i think i'd agree with that and my next question would be they they've been two you know i'll call it five nations sides just to you know being a little bit disparaging about it i don't think they would it would have posed any threat to japan whatsoever you know they've been two two established international sides in ireland and and scotland this wasn't just luck, was it? They are a they're a serious unit. Yeah,
1: completely. And isn't it brilliant that the that the next one up is a is a chance to do it all over again? You know, the where where it all started for them, to play South Africa and to be to be, in a far stronger position than they were four years ago. It's just remarkable, and obviously South Africa are a much you know much stronger stronger. Uh, uh, challenge for them as well. But I just see it as a, it's, it's almost exactly how you'd want, the, how you'd want it to play out. It's, a, it's absolutely amazing.
0: With that in mind, do you, do you think we can see a appear four years ago?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I just, it just seems like the, 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 the resourcefulness of the team, the fact that they play to such a, they play almost a different kind of rugby to, to, um, to everybody else. uh, The fact that they just, they don't, they don't, they're never, they're rarely static. You know, they're rarely, they're rarely setting up pods of, of players coming through forwards, trucking it up kind of thing is that it means that they have, you know, they, I think they can, they could easily take the game on and compete certainly. And you can, you know, and we all know that, that, Anything can happen, um, and the, but the, the odds are not stacked in their favour by any means. But, I, you know, they should be able to approach the game thinking, yeah, we've, we, 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 if we're, they've not shown any demonstrable kind of lack of nerve, I suppose, in at the very beginning in the first game, they might have, they might have looked like they weren't really at the races, but. They seem to be. They seem to be completely in their stride. And they, they, if they take their game to South Africa, yeah, they can
0: win. I think the the style of play that they have in being very, very quick and looking to keep the ball alive, and being very, very dynamic at the breakdown, that you would think that actually South Africa is probably a side that they're well suited to playing. If you see what I mean, because South Africa a very big physical unit, and they're going to again, it's a little bit of rugby cliche time, but they're going to want to move it around, keep the ball alive, and with that in mind, I think it should give them a really good, a really good opportunity to to have a damn good crack at it. And the other thing is, is there are there is a sprinkling of genuinely world class talent in that in that Japanese lineup, and that back row could give any back row in the world a damn good game. All three of them are absolutely phenomenal players. I thought Leach stepped up another level today. He was just absolute warrior status in the hits he put in and the work at the breakdown. You know, Labasakne has been brilliant throughout. And um who's the who's the eight? Fantastic. I always forget his name. Um I can't remember. Um, <laughs> I
1: just I just. I don't even. To be brutally honest, the, the, as individuals, I just. I, I just look at. I just look at the collective strength, you know, and uh, the fact that the, you know the front, the front forwards coming around the corner all the time, and the passes. The, what I love are those little intricate, what seem like effortless. You know, passes inside, passes inside, and they're just relentless. And it must be the most testing thing for any defence to go. Oh, not you again! Not the inside ball! Not the inside ball! Not the inside ball! And they they, they are—they—they just—they can wear teams down. You know, and I think they can wear any team down with that kind of approach. And I can't see. I can't see them freezing and I can't see them also changing their game plan or thinking that they're going to play differently. It just seems like a way of playing rugby that suits them, suits their, suits the nature of the team. And they don't seem to be able to, they don't seem to blow themselves out either after 60 or 70 minutes either.
0: I think when you saw their front row forwards coming off the bench, their replacement props coming off the bench and... Playing a pivotal role in those inside balls as well, you thought that demonstrates your point exactly that it's all about collective strength and everyone is bought into this game plan and he's assembled a side of of players who are who are willing to do it and do it very very well.
1: Yeah, it's going to be it's, you know, the, the the you know you you were talking earlier about cliches. It's brought the tournament alive. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. And I don't think there's any rugby fan who isn't really excited about the prospect. And I, you know, if Wales were playing them next, you'd be, you would be, oh, you know, you really wouldn't be looking forward to it, would you?
0: No, you wouldn't. I I honestly think based on that first half performance in particular, they would have given anyone a game. You know, they, they would have been right in there against the All Blacks based on that, on that first half performance. And, kind of the first 10 minutes of the of the second half. It's just it's it was incredible. You know, they're so clinical. The tries they took were absolutely superb. When that ball popped up, there was never any danger of Fukuoka knocking it on. You just thought he's going to take that and he took it and went through. And the his second try in the second half with the uh the strip and then catching the ball, you know, almost like a a fielder juggling, you know, juggling a, a potential drop catch and then to go on and score with it. Just incredible skill, incredible skill set. And they're so exciting to watch that, it, again, it really does, it has made the tournament that much more interesting. And let's just finish on this one because I think that's the the thing I'm so interested in, that because it was such an exciting, entertaining test match, and let's, let's not forget, you know, even two World Cups ago, Japan were getting hammered by sides. You know, you go back to 07 and... That was a Wales side that went out in the pool stages, and Wales seconds ran all over them. And you fast forward twelve years, and they're into the quarterfinals and, and setting the tournament alight. What I'd love to know is how can we make sure that we're improving the standard of all the other developing nations, and they get a fair crack at the whip.
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I think that listening to the last pod and. And what you were saying about Fiji, I couldn't agree more with the idea that they are, they have, everything is there for for Fiji to be a, a major force in world rugby without a doubt. Apart from the fact that the resources are not quite there, and they don't get the competition, and they're not together enough. And the, the I, I right from the beginning, I think that all the nations involved have, have upped their game. Namibia have upped their yeah. game. Russia have upped their game. The Georgians, you know, are you know are relentless in their own way. And there are you just. I think it's been far far better this this tournament. Maybe I'm just in the middle of it and overexcited, and because it's happening. But it just feels like that the, 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 the there is an, there's been a, a thirty point improvement or twenty points at the very least in every nation um right down you know right down to the to the lowest levels. So I think it, it is getting better. And I think that obviously the IRB have or World Rugby have have put coaches in place and, and have helped with financing I think in certain areas. It seems that way. I don't really yeah. know the details but but having having professional coaching teams in in you know in right across the world has really helped and it just it feels like it is going the right way but the big question is the 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 fact that we don't play enough rugby uh you know outside of the tier 1 nations and it, the the big the big thing that would just make a massive difference would be to, for those teams to be playing every year against yeah. tier 1 opposition with uh, you know and in and really i think also in their own backyards a lot of the time. I think that would make a, a massive difference.
0: Yeah, and with full squads available as well. That's the you know that's the the problem with playing a a series in November. If you you know if half your side plays in France, and you're not able to to get them really you know obviously I'm not just talking about Japan here, but if you're not able to get your best players released by the French clubs or whoever it might be, then that's where things can become can become a little bit tricky. But
1: you can also understand now why in a way that the idea of a, a a a you know of filling the summer with additional tours is is not on the the agenda for the for the tier 1 nations mm. um but at the same time this isn't it this isn't sort of you know it's a very positive story but it could stop here Unless there's a real, unless there's the next, there is a next stage to be to be taken, and it would be very brave of the organisers, you know, organizers of world rugby to to really force the issue. But I think they, if they did, we would have an international sport that was really very competitive and would be worthy of of being called a global sport. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure we got the answers today, but there's it's definitely something that has to be looked at. And from a cynic's point of view, you know, it has to make sense financially for the money men to be interested, yeah. but more competitive entertaining games will definitely do that. You know, it takes away the the pool stages from being a procession and the more teams you have that are competitive, the more opportunity there is for, for growing the game across the world, which people like you and I will enjoy from a, a romantic point of view. But the suits in the, the boardroom looking to make sure this makes sense on a balance sheet that everyone wants that growth worldwide in order to, in order to, to reach new markets and all these kind of things. So yeah, let's, let's just hope that there is, there is plenty of improvement and it doesn't just, uh, it doesn't just stop here. Let's talk about Wales now. Headline two. So very unconvincing as they beat Uruguay. Was this a lack of creativity or was it just one of those games?
1: Uh, it's difficult to say. I it's I think you know having never actually been on a you know in a in a in a in a squad of players who are carrying tackle bags it's quite interesting listening to Shane Williams and Martin um, Nugget uh, talking uh, you know uh, on the arrival pod um, <laughs> about their the sort of you know the, how Shane was a you know was was carrying, sort of carrying tackle bags for. To first two weeks in his, you know, the first time he, you know, played yeah. in the World Cup, um, and then ended up, obviously, the 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 sort of almost mythical uh, game against New Zealand. Now, where suddenly a, a bunch of the next generation of you know Welsh great international players were 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 thrown, to, you know, thrown mm-hmm. really thrown to the lions, and then just just somehow managed to 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 really perform brilliantly. That that sort of you know that's indicates that really it doesn't matter how tight the squad is, doesn't matter how well prepared they are, doesn't matter how fit they are. It just doesn't it doesn't work unless you're playing regularly. I think.
0: Yeah, I think I think you might be right. It, the, I think the frustrating thing with it, and I'm not going to dwell on this too much, but when you saw our second string in the autumn go out and blow, admittedly, a, you know, a very poor a side away. But go out and play some exciting rugby, throw the ball around, and and score some spectacular tries. In particular, Ali Davis scored a wonderful try in in that game in the autumn, and you saw it today. And I thought he had, he had a very very tough game, and didn't look like a player who'd played much rugby at all. And that's the frustration I think is it didn't feel like a game where people were like many people particularly put their hand up and said, yeah, this, you know, I'm going to force my way into this. Starting or starting 15 or the 23, it felt like we're out to we're out to kind of not not make up the numbers, but we're out to do a job and get it and get a win today. It was just a, it was just a bit naive, I think, the performance. We we tried to throw it around far too much behind our own gain line, and and that resulted in in really Uruguay being able to soak up a bit of that pressure. Too many basic errors and just all round sense of frustration, I think. I,
1: and I, I, you know, the strength in depth argument is, is that they, fair play to the coaching team. They have developed a strength in depth. Um, it's remarkable now, you know, when you think that uh, from, you know, the front row, for instance, you know, the, Win Jones is now, you know, nailed on and that's a, a fantastic thing. And, that they have improved the strength and depth, but I, you know, you, and we always compare ourselves to England, who have a much great, stronger yes. player base. But if you put us, if you put a what is effectively a scratch second team sort of together of Eng, English players playing, I I wouldn't expect them to put on a put on a show. You know they they would scrape they would scrape their way through the game and win a game you know any given game but it's not fluid and it's not and when we talk about strength and depth what we're talking about really effectively is players coming off the you know off the bench in to 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 make a good to make a good account of themselves in the first team we're not talking about two teams of players are we we're talking about really everything is always orientated around you know can we get have we got a, a decent front row on the on the bench have we got a strong backup in you know at 10 15 14 you know 11 and the the fact is that they, we don't have you know it's it's it was a, it, it's a very big ask for a second string team to come out and perform To the to the quality that we have become to expect from a a Welsh team.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. And ultimately, I don't think I I think maybe the England thing is is slightly different. I could see an England second string side going out and you know and, and putting together a much more convincing performance than that. But ultimately, would I trade that for a first 23 that plays at a level of intensity when it matters? and has a tendency to win big games. Absolutely not. And hopefully this will be a distant memory next week when we play France. And we're going to come on and talk about that a little bit later. But Wales kind of seem to have this knack of narrowly beating the side that's in front of them, which is great when it's Australia or England or Ireland, but it doesn't feel as convincing when it's Uruguay or maybe even Fiji or Georgia. So, you know, I'm I'm not overly concerned. It was just a frustrating game. And ultimately for... You know four wins from four couldn't ask couldn't ask for much more really
1: no absolutely and it, it's it's just going to be yeah it's it will be forgotten in a few days' time there's no question about that and i, I think that the the habit of winning you know mm. it's 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 the it's the Gatland's legacy you know the 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 fact is that they've They've won ugly on many occasions, and we there may be a time in the future where we're very, very grateful for those times when we won ugly.
0: Yeah, no, well, it's, there's certainly certainly a time in the past I remember where uh, where winning ugly would have been uh, would have been almost unimaginable. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I, I completely get what you're saying there, and
1: it's, the, the, just just the fact that they have just. You know the 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 ability that is the the thing that still exists in all those players. They might not they might not have played particularly well today, but they knew how to win the game, and mm-hmm. that maybe that's the that's the biggest thing is the fact that they there wasn't a point at which that you know I even going back to the Fiji game and when Patchell came on and just to see him I don't I had no idea what he said but when he came on and they were all in a huddle and he was he held the you know he held the stage and held the attention of all the other players and appeared to just be kind of going okay let's do this you know that that's something that wouldn't have happened 10 12 years ago well it wouldn't have happened 12 years ago or, or you know but since Scatland's he has managed and the coaching team have managed to put that and that's what's instilled in all of those players they they might not be as good as the the first team players but they still know how to win
0: Absolutely. And I suppose while we're on that, just last point before we move on, were there any performances in there that did impress you? Yes.
1: <laughs> Rhys Carey uh, was the player that put his hand up. Thomas Williams was great when he came on. Yeah, and there, Obviously, there were little little bits and pieces from other players. But I think, um, you know, uh, Wainwright, looked, I thought, looked good. Um, at times, but I think that, yeah, Rhys Curry. I it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility. To, I I wouldn't be scared of him starting against France. I'm not. Don't think he will, but I think that he'll be a tremendous, um, tremendous option on the, you know, on the bench. And I think that that's. I'd be really, really surprised if that doesn't happen.
0: Really, I mean, look, as impressed as I was, and and I'm a massive fan of Breeze Carey, and he's just there's almost something like, you know, like it's like an you're unleashing an animal when he comes on because he's that kind of desperate to get his hands on the ball and just run through players. It is so good to see. the The one thing is, is I don't think you can fast forward into being a seasoned scrummaging professional and you know he's given a good account of himself scrummaging wise so far but I just wonder whether you know if there's one thing that that France do generally do pretty well is be competitive at the scrum so I do just wonder whether that will mean that they go for for Nicky Smith off the bench just for a bit more experience not that Nicky Smith is you know is. Scrummaging again is not the the strength within his game, but he is just that bit more experienced that he might know how to, you know, if, if we're late in the game and it's tight. I just wonder whether he might be the safer option because he might know how to buy a penalty or a free kick just through having those extra, I don't know, whatever it might be, fifteen, twenty caps than than Reece Carey has. D- depends what you know what what Gatlin's thinking, but he's he's certainly not afraid to make those big calls.
1: No, and I. The thing about Rhys Carey's scrummaging is that I you know, having watched him through the twenties and, and he, he he scrum he scrummaged standing up pretty much mm. it, during that time and something again I I I take my hat hat off to the coaching team for um for really putting him in a position where he's obviously lighter and fitter and stronger um and he is now looks like he's not he, uh, he didn't look like he was scrimmaging properly says the man who played <laughs> it was never i think i did play in the front row when i was about 12 um but he 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 does look much much more um credible as a scrummager now than he did when he first appeared in in um you know playing for the 20s and then you know i, I think he looks I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate. I really wouldn't. And I, it's not because I think, you know, just because it's not so much the um you know, running in open play. It is actually because I think the, the, I think the scrum is a problem when it comes off the bench. And I think that, you know, it was, it's been proved that the scrimmage has gone back, you know, the scrum has weakened yeah. in the second halves. And I think that he is actually, he, I think he'd help hold his own, even against the French.
0: Interesting. Well, yeah, we haven't got too long to, to find out what that selection will be. And uh, we'll, we'll have a look at what side we might select in the latter part of the show. Headline number three, though, Ireland beat Samoa to finish second. Something of a routine win for Ireland, even though they went down to 14 men. Have you seen anything to suggest they can beat the All Blacks, though?
1: Not really, no. I just I don't think they I, I one of the interesting things about um, Ireland uh, is less to do with what's happening on the park and a lot to do with the, 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 the sort of the pundits, the uh, former Irish internationals off the mm. park who were talking on the radio or on television. And I don't see I don't see any of them sort of going, oh, we're nearly there. Um, or, you know, it'll be okay, or, yeah, well, they, they can raise their game. I, I just don't... It doesn't look like there's a sense of confidence at all um, off the pitch, anyway, among them the sort of media, and the, what's going on inside the squad suggests to me that maybe 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 the messages from inside the squad are not coming, are not particularly positive or something. I'm not sure. But it doesn't feel like it's happening, even though they they've got... You know they've got play. They've got, they've got the players. It's just something isn't happening. The culture isn't quite right, or something isn't something isn't clicking.
0: Yeah, that's in, it's an interesting one actually, and I think we've seen them play in big performances, and but they're, they're kind of their best form is is going back is going back a year now really what I think we've seen in this world cup is the biggest game they play. They did, you know, they blew apart Scotland who really didn't turn up. They played Japan and, and came unstuck again, no disgrace in that based on what we've seen today. But really, I think you've got to be nailing that game. If you're, you're the favorites in the group and all of their best form is they're looking to recapture something from 12 months ago, rather than from, you know, from a couple of months ago or, I haven't seen a great deal so far to suggest that they can get it right. However, they've beaten the All Blacks twice since the last World Cup, and that you know, so it's it's not just you know it, it's a it's a flash in the pan type thing. Beating the All Blacks takes some serious. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. You know, it, t- it takes a game plan to get it right. It takes a massive performance, and it takes a huge step up in terms of int- intensity. But it is for them all about finding what they got right, what they got right twelve months ago. And uh, even though they, they blew Samoa apart with, with fourteen men, I just haven't seen a lot of it for for long enough, really.
1: No, do you think? I mean, do you think that maybe it's down to players like Sexton, or you know, is it? Can you see yeah. individuals turning it right for them?
0: well i've said this before i think the thing is with sexton is that he is so crucial to ireland he's like the brain of the side in that everything runs through him and when they play well he plays well so again we've seen glimpses of it i just think they are so reliant on that one on that one guy that they don't feel like they can beat sides when he's not on the pitch or when he's not playing at his absolute best and that puts a you know, puts a, a big burden on Connor Murray. And I think Conor Murray's best strength is you know, is really his box kicking. So that, that puts them into a very kind of defensive mindset, I think. So yeah, like I see, I might be wrong, but I, I haven't seen a great deal so far to suggest that they're they're gonna be able to match what they've done in the past. And yeah, I think I, I agree with what you're saying. It's interesting that there's there's not more positive noises coming out from the Irish pundits, and perhaps there is something slightly awry in there. But the, the the Japan defeat will definitely have hurt, and that's the form I'm basing it on. The fact that when they had opportunities in those games, they didn't take it. But uh, you know, it's um, they the, didn't have they didn't have Sexton for that game, so maybe it is down to that. They,
1: the 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 going back to the pundits again is it the, the fact that they say things like you know, other teams have found us out now yeah. and, uh, suggesting that they're, they're one dimensional. And, you know, and I, you wouldn't have, we wouldn't have said that 15 months ago, would we, you know, we wouldn't have said, uh, you know, they're one dimensional. We would have just said they're ruthlessly effective. And mm-hmm. it's just funny how the narrative has changed from, uh, it, it's, it's sort of weirdly pessimistic. It's not something that I'm familiar with, uh, you know, from
0: you familiar well, with pessimism, yes, then I know that.
1: I'm familiar with pessimism, but from a national nationalistic point of view, I'm not familiar with it from an Irish perspective.
0: Yeah. Well no, certainly, certainly not in recent times. So it is it is it is a strange one. And of course, you know, the all blacks I know people have been were kind of quick to say that they're not in the invincible form that they have been, perhaps in the last two World Cups, but They're still an incredible unit when they click. So I think they have to go into that one, clear favourites.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: And I will be without Bundyaki after he was was sent off in the game. We said there another red card. Was that one the right call?
1: It seemed quite, um, it seemed like a tough call, but a fair call. Yeah. It, It wasn't something, you know, it's one of those, again, if you look at the look at the the patting on the back and the head where as he walks off you know the, there's a lot of sympathy out there. it wasn't, but he it's a clumsy challenge and it's not the first either and he, you know he relishes the reputation as somebody who who is uh, a force an enforcer mm-hmm. in terms of his tackling and in terms of his just all-round physicality so you just kind of you live by the sword you die by the sword don't you
0: yeah it's one of those where again I felt sorry for him as it happened particularly when you view it in full speed you think oh it looks like there's a bit of a slip there and it looks much worse when it's in when it's slowed down but as we said on the podcast last week it's just one of those where you know if it's if it's a Wales player doing it I'd be watching it going no you've just got to eliminate Eliminate tackling at that level, you know, even if it means pulling out and missing a tackle. Yeah, you've just got to go. You've got to go low and keep it incredibly safe, or you've got to be hundred percent sure that you're gonna you're gonna nail them at a, at a safe height. And that's that's the thing. It's a tough call, but I'm kind of glad that we've seen these spate of red cards in the pool stages, because hopefully they, they won't happen in the in the knockout games. And certainly we we don't want it to happen to a Welsh player.
1: No, I mean Ken Owen's tackle aside, there hasn't yeah. been any 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 issues with the Welsh um, the Welsh team, and obviously people were looking at players like Moriarty as potentially a bit like kind of um, a bit wild and a bit uncontrolled from time time to time and there hasn't been anything like that really has there from, from a Welsh perspective. And, you know, you can coach it into players. And I, and unfortunately I do, I don't, I do see more red cards happening. Mm. The, the, the greater the, um, you know, the greater the, je- the potential jeopardy, yeah. the, the more, the, and the, the, the more weary players get, you know, the um, and we haven't seen much about the sort of competitive, um, Competitive um, tackling in the air, for instance, and I can imagine that would happen in the in the latter stages of the tournament. And there are 50/50s in the air that people are going to end up landing on their shoulders or their necks. So I I actually see it, and I think it's something that we have to accept as a, uh, something that will happen more regularly in international rugby generally, anyway. Uh, we, just as it does in football, you know, we just have to accept that players a lot of teams are going to play with 14 players you know
0: interesting yeah well i'm, I'm sure we'll make some exciting rugby as well got a couple loads more coming up in the second half of the show but first there's this quick break right two to go on front five yes dean headline number four england france new zealand all have the week off south africa and australia have Longer breaks going into the quarterfinals as well. Do you think that extra rest is going to help these sides when you see kind of the likes of Wales have been out there in in very physical games? Would you rather kind of have that that break, or do you want to keep building the momentum?
1: I think uh, you would rather have a break. Um, mm. I think it, you know, particularly you know Wales against Fiji, and the, the, it did look like several players were going to be struggling. After that, so you'd have to say that you'd much rather you'd much rather have them on the on the training paddock for an extra few days, mm-hmm. or just resting up. So, it, but I don't think it's a I don't think it's an advantage that that is going to make all the difference. Put it like that. If 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 um, if if there was a quarterfinal in four days' time, I might be complaining a bit. But I think that uh, there's enough rest time between now and then for Wales to recover and, and, you know, get back to get back, you know, get themselves together. So I think I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a massive difference.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. I think it's one of those if you benefit from it, you say that it's a you say it's an advantage. And if you haven't got that luxury, you say, well, actually, you know, we'd rather be building the momentum anyway. Ultimately, you only know if you're inside those camps how those players are feeling. And once you get out on the on the pitch in a quarterfinal, you've just got to go out there and perform. So I don't think any of the sides are going to be dwelling on it too much. It's almost one of these things that we like to build up a bit more in the media than than perhaps they actually do in the dressing room. Do you, do you
1: get any gut feeling or have you read anything that you feel is, um, is uh, conclusive about? sort of the Welsh situation in terms of their
0: injuries well I'm glad you've led me on to that actually I because that's that's headline number five <laughs> huh. I believe that Wales's injury woes have been eased and we're expecting to see both John Davis and Dan Bigger be fit for selection so I mean that's a that's a massive lift if that if that is the case
1: yeah it's um, both of them really but uh, I think Jonathan Davis in particular, I, don't, I just, there isn't poor Hadley Park's mummified though he is um, yeah. and and uh, held together with sticking plaster. He cannot do any more than he is already trying to do. So having, you know, not that Watkin is not a, a, a very capable uh, player off the bench. Um, it's not, it would be, hugely, um, you know, over-expectation for someone like Parks to be able to sort of control the midfield. It's it's just, he does his job particularly well, but having Jonathan Davis is just utterly, utterly crucial.
0: Well, I think in these games, you need players, your your players who are I mean, call it what you want, the world-class players, the test match animals, you know that those players who turn up and can make an individual contribution in a game that is going to win you a quarterfinal or a tough, you know, very tough pool game. They're the ones that you, that you need. And, and John the Davis has proven time and time again, he's capable of doing it. And Dan Bigger is exactly the same as much as... You know, Dan Biggin knows his, his kind of limitations and he's not a particularly quick perhaps running fly off, although I think he gets a bit more stick than he perhaps deserves. His attitude in these big games is so, so impressive. And his ability to make clear decisions under under pressure and things like things like chasing his own his own kicks it, it, he doesn't allow those nagging doubts to creep into his head as the ball's in the air. He just knows, I've done this a thousand times in training. I've done it a thousand times in games. I'm going to do exactly the same here. And having players who are capable of, of creating either that moment of magic or that moment of, of calm in amongst the storm, that's what wins you those big test matches. So having both of those players fit, I, I think is an absolutely huge boost for, for Gatland.
1: Yeah, I think a couple of noticeable things, wasn't it, um, that like Liam trying up and unders and just the ball going nowhere special, and uh, a, you know a couple of things that you just thought they're trying to do a Dan or they're trying to do what 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 Foxy does. Uh, yeah. It's just you you know you have to have those players doing those things. You can't ha- ask your you can't ask other players to suddenly step up and take the responsibility. See for doing what other players do particularly well. That's just too much to ask because Liam does his thing and he's amazing at it. Um, but he, he isn't—he isn't anything like as effective as as um, as bigger is at the the chip and chase or the the up and under where you know he's going to compete for the ball. Um, and that's always going to be a threat for the defense as well. And that you forget that the defenders, you know, can relax a little bit more because they know that there isn't going to be the the, the bigger, precise up and under that he's yeah. going to You know, the, these are the things that make a big difference. Same as Jonathan Davis's, um, you know, his he can angle those kicks down the line that really just kind of give us forward momentum, um, keeping the ball in play. Uh, one of the things that kind of, Hacked me off a little bit was when sort of oh we haven't seen him fend anybody for ages and yeah that annoyed you know, me all that kind of stuff and I'm like whoa hang on a minute it's not like he's been sitting there you know sort of s- scratching his backside and not really making a contribution you know he makes invaluable contributions all the time and it's just like I it's really lazy I think for people to. To think, just because he's not busting, you know, massive handoffs, you don't get a chance like that in every no, you game. Don't. you know. And I think that's one of the things about about him that's great is that if the opportunity's there, he sees it. No question, no question. And it doesn't. The opportunity doesn't arise in international rugby every time you you. It does if you're playing Pro 14, but it just doesn't if you're playing international rugby. So, you know, one of the great things about You know about his play, Jonathan Davis's play is the fact that he 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 will identify situations and will make the most of them. And uh, and oh yes, his passing isn't fantastic. You know, and yes, he could do with, but there are other qualities in his play that that are head and shoulders above anybody else in the world squad.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think he is one of those players that when he's playing when he's playing his best, he I think he is the best in his. Position in the world, and there's, you know, there's that's a very, very hard thing to do. So, yeah, he he's such a big boost, and to have him back and, and playing playing at his best will be, will be massive. So so touch with I think I think the news coming out of of Wales is that the the scan uh, well out of Japan rather is that the the scan is uh, has has said there's there's nothing to worry about there. So, you know, hopefully I'm not I'm not wrong. We're not eating our words, but I, I would very much expect him to be. To be available for selection for the France game. We've got some listeners' questions to get through as well. As you can imagine, a lot of these relate towards selection. So let's just fire through a few of these. This one's from Hayden Davis. Will North start for Wales against France, or could Wales move Williams to the wing and play halfpenny at fullback?
1: Uh, I think North will play. I, I, halfpenny, I think. It seems a bit harsh, uh, and I shrug my shoulders and wince when I'm saying it. But it, it cemented his place as a as not quite there in the in the in the starting fifteen for me. Uh, just not
0: quite there. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I think that he's. Yeah, he was man of the match today, I think, and I don't know, it's a strange game to be to be man of the match in any way, but I almost feel like he's trying to do too much at full-back. You know, having criticised, you know, having had a lot of criticism his way about being very kind of conservative and kicking too much when he had the ball at full-back, I kind of think he's doing it a bit too much. He's, he's trying to do a bit much of the opposite now, and he's trying to take players on all the time. And... Actually, you know, I don't think North is playing particularly well at the moment, but all it takes is one of those one of those explosive explosive runs from him or a great finish and and again that can be the difference between winning and losing a, a quarter final. So I think they will go with North and I don't think you want to upset Liam Williams, who's kind of made that made that fifteen position his own now. So for me, I'd be I'd be sticking with with Williams at fullback and probably half penny to miss out. Completely, I, I would guess is what Gatlin's going to do.
1: Yeah, and you have to remember, North v France is is a is a good thing, generally. Yeah. In historically speaking, um, it's been you know he's he's you only have to think about last you know in the in the wet in Paris you know last season it's it, yeah it, George made his contribution, didn't he?
0: Yeah, he did. Again, he yeah, picked up man of the match. In to be honest, I'm not sure I've ever seen a player play so badly. For a portion of the game, and then pick up man of the match because he had a he had a woeful first half, but he made those contributions when it counted, and and yeah. that's won the game really. So yeah, I I don't see I don't see North missing out to be honest. Okay, another one on selection. This one's from Win Griffiths. Does Beard come straight to the bench for the quarter final? Um, if so, Shingler or Moriarty to miss out.
1: Oh, that's so hard. Mm. that really is that's that's a really really good question
0: what do you think jed uh i think he does i think we've missed weight in the second row i thought he had a decent game today actually you know in what was a as we said a, a very unspectacular performance all around i thought he did the nuts and bolts pretty well and you know the odd line out still here good carry there bit of clearing out so i think he would have Bought his way back to fitness. I don't think he's. I don't think he will have done enough to dislodge Jake Ball. So I would have him on the bench because he's a specialist second row, and I think Shingler misses out. That would be my. That would that would be what I'd do. I think.
1: Yeah, I. I don't think you can. You can. I don't think you can put Shingler in ahead of. um Ahead of Moriarty, really. No, that's I don't. That would seem unfair. Um, and yeah, I. I, I would. Con- I concur that's a very well, well thought out argument and I'm not going to argue against it.
0: Okay. And uh, this one is from Pete Harris. What's your back row for the quarterfinal? So sticking with a, a very similar, a very similar theme.
1: Well, uh, I, I'd go, uh, I've got, I, I definitely, one of my, the only thing that I found irritating about, um, I think Moriarty stays on the bench. Um, uh, Moriarty at eight was that he seemed to struggle to get the ball out um, from under his feet. It was almost like echoes of a bygone age when all our eights used to be really bad with the ball under their feet. Um, So I would say uh, Wainwright, Navidi and tips.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely the same for me. I think that's the one that we played in the, you know, in the in the biggest games we've got. I like a player coming off the bench with impact. I don't think Ross Moriarty likes being on the bench one little bit. And I think every time you, again, you take the leash off him, like we were saying about Reese Carey earlier, get him, get him on that pitch and he'll, you know, he'll want to run through brick walls for you. And Wayne Wright is a player who seems to come out of the traps very hard in the first half. He wants to get his hand on the ball and make lots of carries. So... Providing there's no injuries, I think the game plan is start with that back row, and then Wainwright comes off fifty fifty five minutes, knowing that you've got Moriarty to come on and and run at tired defenders and look to smash into people and just generally cause mischief. So, yeah, that- I think that I think that flexibility is really important.
1: when you talk about fifty fifty five minutes because actually you can Moriarty could you know can obviously hold his own for a you know if it's not going right. Moriarty's a good option to change things up, you know, and that's a, that gives the back row a gr- much greater degree of flexibility. Really, uh, it, it, it allows Wainwright to play for sixty minutes if he's on fire, or, or forty-five minutes if if suddenly there there is definitely a need to change things, you know. And and um, I thought I'd, I'd be staggered if um, you know, not staggered, but I can't see. Tipperick having a mare, for instance, and I can't see. And I guess, you know, we have to think about the possibility of one of the back row boys getting injured. And I, that's also, you wouldn't, you wouldn't then go, oh, God, here we go. Um, you know, y- you wouldn't worry then about Moriarty coming in at six or eight, if need be.
0: No, no exactly. I think that's the, that's the thing you've got to think of, is balance and what happens if there are injuries. And if Wainwright gets injured, it's a straight swap. If uh if Navidi gets injured it's a straight swap. If Tipperick gets injured, Navidi switches to seven and, and Moriarty comes on at eight. So I think it does it does give you that balance. And yeah, that, that for me is is a fairly straightforward selection. Although I think he started to show some of his better form actually, Moriarty. I thought against Fiji there was there was some, some really nice stuff in there and a couple of those big barreling runs. So yeah, but I I think at the moment it'll be it'll be him coming off the bench.
1: And I would just like to see him playing six. I just I'd rather see Wainwright at eight if it, mm-hmm. if it came down to it. And, um, uh, and Navidi and Wainwright swap in. That's just personal, really. I Like I said, I just I get the heebie-jeebies when the scrum isn't actually... When the scrum's looking a bit rocky in the second half and the ball... And then it's up to the eight. Although, you know, he, to be fair, he did actually pick the ball up from eight and, and save the team at one point. Mm. But I think that that's... It's just that he doesn't quite know when when to when to go and how to control the ball as well as I like.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I get that one. And um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, it's interesting seeing Wainwright at eight. And uh, we did actually have a, a message in on that one from Diego von Albatross, who uh, asked us the other week about well, playing Wainwright at eight. And he just simply says, uh, I told you Wainwright would be good at eight. So there you go. So, uh, Last last, uh, last, two questions now. This one is from Andrew Hopkins. New listener, great stuff, guys. Thank you very much. How are Japan making crisp passing and handling skills look so much easier than everyone else? That's a great question. I just think... I, I can only think
1: that they just... They practice themselves into the ground uh, mm-hmm. and they, they know exactly what they're doing and they are asking a lot of themselves and each other and they're trusting each other an extraordinary amount There, the it is that you know we you've talked often about the, the the different ways that whales sometimes they decide to pick and go around the edges sometimes they will they will set at the pods and, you, you know, you're, you you like a pick and go, just mm. like I like a pick and go and keep the momentum going and get the ball away and get the ball away and keep on going, keep going and look for gaps. It's not always possible, is it? And I suppose you have to you have to you have to applaud the both the, the, the backroom team and the, the players themselves are playing what's in front of them. Um, But I think the Japanese just know exactly what they need to do and how to do it because I don't think they have a plan B or a plan C really particularly. I just think they have a way of playing and it's almost like saying that Fiji have a certain way of playing. It's just that the Japanese at the moment are outstanding at it and uh, I don't think they have a particular physiological or uh, my mother thinks they've got physiological advantage because they're smaller and more lithe um but I, I, I maybe that there is something to be said for that i don't know but the, i i just think they trust it's all about trust and the fact that there's nothing else it's got to happen and it's got to work and that's the way they play
0: yeah I, I think the the really important thing is about knowing what your style of play is and in the past when wales haven't been playing particularly well we've not necessarily known what that style of play is and I think that's the thing that's always been has always been there for for Gatland, you know I know he hates that Warren Ball tag, but knowing that we're gonna play physical pragmatic rugby we're going to kick a lot and we're going to, have to try and play in the right areas. That has been the style of play and everyone kind of knows their role within that. And that's what I think Japan have, have got is that they know if you're part of that team, you have to be able to, to be on someone's shoulder because there's an opportunity to offload and you have to be, you have to do certain things and do them very, very well if you're going to get in that team and and the players you have have, have done it superbly. Wouldn't um,
1: it be great to see the, like, not that I'm going to sit there and, and observe, uh, watch, but if you... If you saw the readings for instance on their on their GPS mm-hmm. to see how much more or less or how more economic they are with their runs you know whether whether they're safe whether somehow they manage to the, to spread the spread the load wider and that it's not just up to one or two players to keep on carrying the ball I don't know it's it would be really really interesting to see a breakdown of that and see whether Japan have found a way of because they, they can't just be physically more fit than everybody else. Because I mean, I would imagine that that they're all now uh, everybody's at a similar level. Surely, mm-hmm. you know, they, they can't be that much more um, more fitter than everyone else. So it must uh, be. But
0: I think I think the one and two percents at this level make make all the difference, and they put a big shift. In, and I think that's kind of where it became quite difficult around the fifty, sixty minute mark. That perhaps at that stage the overall fitness started to started kicking because they put in such a big shift in those, in those first 40, 50 minutes. But, you know, nonetheless, what they do, they, they have a game plan and it works and they, they execute it brilliantly. So that's a, you know, that that's a massive amount of credit to the coaches and, and they have got a seriously top class coach in Jamie Joseph. He, he, there's, there is just no denying it. The man, the man who's his class as well, and he's assembled a, a fantastic side there. And do you know what? As much as I'm I'm so excited about watching Wales play next Sunday, I'm almost as excited about watching Japan play again. They've just, they've just been a, a joy to watch this tournament.
1: Do you think they can beat South Africa?
0: <sighs> uh, yes, they can, certainly. But they're going to need a, a, a few things to go in their favour, I think. That's not luck, but I think they're going to need they're gonna to need to make sure that, that like we're saying they don't have one of these one of these things where one of the the, off, the offload at the crucial point doesn't go to hand or a you know a, a flat pass is judged to be forward or something like that. I think they're gonna need absolutely everything because I, I do think South Africa are absolute class. I think if they were playing France they'd win. I think if they were playing us, or, I mean it would be a, a very, very close game, I think. And I, you know I think they could I think they would Give any of those quarterfinal sides a, a damn good run for their money. So, you know, why why not? Could they do it again? So,
1: yeah, it would be interesting to see. But if you saw Australia versus Japan, it would that would be you you would you couldn't be you couldn't call it, could you? It would be really really again the, a team that that they they could they could beat Australia as well. I mean, it it, it would be plausible to think after today's performance, anyway.
0: Yeah, you know, you're know you absolutely right. And then last, last question to finish on. This one's from Ian Alexander. Oh, God. Who's who would you prefer to play if we get past France? Let's get past France first. Would you rather play South Africa or Japan?
1: <sighs> what a question. I, d- I'm wanna, right, I, I wouldn't even look to see what the times were for the kickoffs for um, the quarterfinals until yesterday I'm so not you know I, I so don't want to even think about the next round uh, just can't can't bear the thought of sort of arranging my weekend and then not being there you know um,
0: yeah no I agree you just got you just got to get the you got to get the task done I mean looking at it yeah,
1: it's mad because we haven't really talked about France and so I, I I don't even I don't even want to begin to think about that Because, you know, you can beat we beat France regularly, and you just think, oh God, you know, we've been there, we've been here before, haven't we? And that's why it's it's great, really, that we've got France next, and and Japan have got South Africa because, you know, we're going back, we're going back in time. Um, I don't, I, 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 I wouldn't want to play Japan, just wouldn't want to play Japan, and if they beat if they beat South Africa. There's nothing stopping them, you know. Again, you just think that they could ease, if they can beat South Africa, they can beat anybody.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think once you get to semi-finals, seems fitting to finish on more cliches. Do you know what's brilliant is we've, we sp- I've, I've spoken about a few cliches tonight, but we haven't mentioned the unmentionable cliche about the French. So let's make it through a whole podcast without doing yeah. that.
1: No, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in that at all.
0: Because- the cliche I am interested in is once you get to a semi-final, anything can happen. And I do think that it uh, when you get to a semi-final, strange things can happen. You know, we should have won that semi-final in 2011 and didn't. Yes, in part because of Warburton's red card. Yes, in part because of, because of Adam Jones going off injured. But we didn't win that game that we should have won against a, a side we were better than. And that's it. It's because, you know, strange things happen in, in once you get to semi final stages. So it is just about going out and getting the job done. And do you know, what? if it's an ugly, unconvincing 9-6 win against France next week, I'll take that. It's just get it, get through it get to the semi-final and, and worry about it, you know, worry about who who we're playing then. It doesn't, I'm, I'm not worried. I just want to get to that position because I think that has been Wales's minimum aim all along is to get to a semi-final as well it should be. So there's a great opportunity to do it. Let's go out and get it done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also you just have to, you have to expect France to be to be, you know, they're a great tournament team. And have proved that several times in the past, and you have to expect that that that's what it that's what Wales are going to face. Wales are going to face a, a, a team that is going to do everything they can and have the resourcefulness and the and the smarts and the talent and the physicality to to make it happen. And you've got to you've got to play you've got to expect to beat you know a very good team. And it, like yeah. you said, it, who cares how it how it how how the result pans out. If it's a win, it's a win. End of story.
0: You're right, and you look at their record throughout throughout Rugby World Cup history. And you know, I'm going off the top of my head here, but more often than not, they are in those semi-finals. So I think those those things can those things things can definitely play on them. Um, playing in mind, Wales have to go out and just play their best game. And, and what Wales haven't done so far in this tournament is really string together a full 80-minute performance. And we do that, we'll beat France. But we have to make sure that we do that.
1: Amen to that, Jed.
0: Awesome. Right. Just to finish, then, yes, Dan, predictions for the four quarterfinals. England versus Australia. Who progresses? England. I agree. New Zealand versus Ireland? New Zealand. Agreed. Wales versus France? Wales. And then the tough one, Japan versus South Africa. South Africa. All right, I'm going to go for Japan. Why not? Let's just be romantic about it. And, uh, yeah, that brings us to a conclusion for another one. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, as I mentioned last week on the show, we've been uh, messing around with little bits of artwork for, um, for this season of the podcast. So a different classic Welsh rugby shirt or Welsh rugby club shirt every week. So, yesterday in your honour, we've got a, a Swansea shirt from the late '90s, which will be on there, which I know you'll appreciate massively. <laughs> and uh, yeah, listeners, if you have one that you'd like us to feature, let us know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what level of rugby it is. Send us, send us a picture in, and uh, and we'll try our best to to feature it on there but,
1: I uh, uh, yeah. to do uh, Vera, a school governor blue and green shirt which obviously blue and green is never a, a good look they say but you know, say that, was say. My, that was my school shirt
0: oh well there we go well, let's, let's let's have a look at that one as well I'm going to stick to the Swansea one for this week purely because I've done it already but uh, but, but well, yeah any, any recommendations are welcome fantastic stuff right quick thanks for our sponsors as well so coffee trades as always make sure you get your hands on some at socoffeetrades.co.uk and we'll be back to chat rugby with you after a quarterfinal next weekend get the win Wales Podcast Network.